Welcome to the Growth Moves Podcast with Rob Tyson. Welcome back, listener. Rob Tyson here. And in the last few episodes, we had a little mini series actually to take you through a case study of how we quadrupled sales for one of our clients with five strategic steps. So do be sure to catch up on that if you missed it. I think you'll find that series useful. I'm here today, though, with Natalie Phillips. Now, Natalie is a big advocate for email marketing and the way it can be used to reclaim your time and grow your business. And she has over a decade of email experience managing email lists from zero to over a million subscribers. And today we're going to be talking about fearless and fun selling with email. But before we welcome Natalie and we get into all that good stuff, if you're listening to this show, chances are good you have professional expertise and maybe you'd like to productize it so you can begin to break the link between time and money in your business. Well, before you rush off and do what we often do, which is just start creating, let me tell you, the thing that will make or break it is your underlying business model. And so I'd like to invite you to watch my free web class. And it's going to explain why the ascension model or the value ladder that you've probably heard quite a bit about is usually a really bad approach for people in your position. Why is that? Well, not only will you probably make peanuts, but you won't be giving maximum value to your clients either. There is a much better way if you want to get on the right track with productizing your expertise and my web class will show you how. And that is free. So all you need to do is pop along to robtyson.net forward slash class to get it. That is robtyson.net forward slash class. So with all that said, Natalie, welcome. Thank you, Rob. And I'm excited to be on the show. Very good. So email marketing, why are you so excited about this topic? Because it gives you total control over the conversation. Um, Email is the one medium where you have the list, you choose what to send, and you can personalize those emails. So who, where, why, and how. Um, in a way that you can't get from Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. Those platforms control the conversation. They can shut you down at any time. But with email marketing, you're in charge. And you get almost real-time numbers and figures from it as well. So you can see how the conversation's developing and you can see what people are interested in. Our forefathers would have killed for the chance to have email marketing. Can you imagine, for example, back in the 1960s, a Mad Max-style ad man placing an advert and wondering, is this going to work? With email marketing, you can send A-B split tests, you can check out your segments, you can sort out your audience and do all of that almost instantly. So the results are there and it's done cheaply and at a scale that you just can't see anywhere else in the industry. And I'm yeah. glad Adam talking about digital marketing there. <laughs> no, no. Well, and, and there will be people listening to this, I'm sure, who just think, well, you know, come on, I've, I've been sending emails for 25 years surely there's got to be something better than this by now I mean isn't it all a bit old hat you'd say that but um, the ROI in email is still through the roof the only one which comes in top of the uh, class beyond email is SEO Um, and no one turns around to me and says oh SEO is old hat I don't want to do it anymore (laughs) you know that you know you want your customers to find you and once they find you you want to talk to them at the end of the day, you've got a business that you are genuinely excited about. At least I hope that's the case. And if that's the case, you're looking after customers and you want to talk to them about your business. This is, this is what you're breathing. This is what you're living and doing with your time. So how can email be boring? How can it be old hat? Um, it's the most genuine conversation you're ever going to have in your business. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think that 
um, absolutely email should be the linchpin of, uh, of, of your, your online marketing for sure. Um, help us out here though, because email marketing is a pretty broad category, isn't it? So what general approach do you like the best? Because there, there's different kinds of emails. I mean, you know, if we talk about email marketing, we could mean one-to-one type emails that I send through my account, or we could be talking about cold email um, outreach, as they call it, for business to business, or or is it more like um, you know, create a lead magnet, try and get a lot of people to opt in to get your messages, and then communicate with them that way? What's what approach do you like the best? I love the opt-in approach because that automatically selects your audience in a way that um, you'll struggle to get at scale with the cold email outreach or the one-to-ones. So don't get me wrong, those have their place. But with the lead magnet opt-ins, you gatekeep. You choose who sees that message. You choose um, to let them sign up to your email list. And then you can send them a tailored, personalized email based upon um, what your lead magnet is. It's a digital breadcrumb trail going from where you place the ad or where you advertise your lead magnet right through to them buying your product. So you can have as many emails as you want in sequence or as few. On top of that, I also advocate regular content creation. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are now having a groan, oh God, no, not the weekly email. But they're still effective. (laughs) And it's still a great way and a great discipline for you to communicate with your customers. You know, I've had emails where I've sent out an e-newsletter from six months ago and people will respond back to me because they've saved it because it was of interest to them at the time. So email, ha- email has a very long reach and a very long way of getting back to you. It sure does. And would you say there are any particular kinds of businesses that this sort of approach works best for? I would say service-based, where you have the invisible products because what people are buying is you your knowledge, your experience, your time. So having the lead magnet and having your knowledge on display is the best way forward. You don't need to have masses of shiny um, photos, for example. You don't need to have the best layout, the best style. You just need to connect with them authentically, truthfully, and personally. So it makes you unique. And that's where email really comes into its own. Yeah, and that's an interesting one just to touch on briefly. Um, you know, I know a lot of people when they're getting started with email marketing wonder about format of these messages. And obviously we're going to get into, you know, I, what I would say is more important stuff as, as we go. But um, what on that? I mean, you know, do, should we be using pictures in emails? You know, assume we are this service business with what you said there, the invisible product. And I, I really like that idea. Uh, so, you know, a consultant or a coach or something. Yes. Um, when really you're selling expertise, for instance, with if you're in that kind of business, you know, what are, I suppose, the best yes. kinds of formats? I mean, are we, are, we, are we doing these sort of big emails with lots of images or is it, should it look like a personal thing that's coming from us, even though it's like a bulk send? It should be look personal. Um, it definitely should be intimate. You don't have to have a lot of images. I do advocate running HTML emails as opposed to plain text because so many people these days will receive your email on the phone and that will automatically open them. So you want that brand recognition. The minute you open up, at the very least, at the very least, have your logo and preferably a picture of yourself as well. If you look at the industry, get great, such as Marie Folio, Amy Porterfield, Tony Robbins, you, you name those sorts of guys. They will always have something in the email that you can visually see and connect to. So that's important because that gives you an anchor 
in their mind, in your audience mind, as to what to expect from you. But you don't have to have a huge glossy layout. For example, what you'd see from, say, Coca-Cola or Debenhams or one of the big high street names like Argos, who do do that. You can get away with um, just a simple video, a link to your podcast or, you know, some plain text. But for Pete's sake, do not put a huge box in. <laughs> Don't write an entire essay. Keep that for your blog. With emails, you want to keep it short, sharp and simple. The whole point of the email is one action, one subject line, one call to action and one single thing for your audience to take away. Yeah, um, we will come back to that, no doubt. And are you recommending that these emails come from us or appear to come from us as individuals? So in other words, you know, should my emails be coming from Rob Tyson? Should your emails be coming from Natalie Phillips? My emails do come from Natalie Phillips. And, yeah. I, you know, you can say, for example, um, <laughs> your, your name and then your company name, if that's what you feel um, is right for you. Um, it's no one-size-fits-all approach, but research shows that your open rate goes up when you include a personalised name, both in the subject line and also in your form address. Yeah, and that makes sense intuitively, doesn't it? Because the emails we want to read are from people we know, right? Friends, family, the people we have relationships with. And, and uh, you know, whereas if it's coming from an organisation, typically we're less interested in that, aren't we? That's right, absolutely. And you want people to think of you as your, their advisor, their friend. That, that's the whole point of selling an in-service-based business, that you're selling yourself. <laughs> you know? So why not have it come from you? Why not have that personal touch? That puts you ahead 90% of the rest of the game because you're selling person to person, not business to business or consumer to consumer. You're thinking of them as an individual and they think of you as an individual. So instead of, oh, marketing company B, it's Natalie from Marketing Company C. And, oh, Natalie knows this or Natalie knows that. That's how you refer to people. And that's where email has such an edge over a lot of other forms of marketing. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Because we, it is different in that way because we experience email as a one-to-one -one communication method in, in a way in which we don't, you know, if we're looking at something in a Facebook feed, we, you know, we know that's not a one-to-one -one message I and mean, it can't be, whereas email is something that we do on our own, isn't it? That's right. And you're getting into the most curated place on the planet, that person's inbox. You know, it's so easy to delete someone from your inbox, so easy to press unsubscribe. They're spamming me now to put it in a promotions tab to ignore you. So you should be honoured. If they're opening and reading your email, you've done something incredibly praiseworthy. You've got their attention. And you've done so in a way that um, can't be deflected or taken away from. You know, you look at um, an ad on an Instagram feed and there's at least four or five other things competing for your attention on there. You don't get that with email. Yeah, 100%. All right, so let's back up a little bit then. So we, we've talked a little bit about some of the questions people always have, you know, around about format and that kind of thing. But we're jumping the gun not you and me, but other people jump the gun because I know these are the kinds of things they immediately come to. But really, we, if we're thinking about this strategically, the kind of question we want to ask is, well, what are, we, what are our aims with, it, with our email marketing campaigns and what's the best way to plan this activity? So what would you say about that? Okay, your first aim is engagement. 
you can't get anywhere without engagement that is your click rate your open rate and your response okay and believe it or not even your unsubscribes unsubscribing isn't necessarily a bad thing because that's your audience saying sorry this isn't a fit for me now what you're doing and you're going to find as you become more personal and even and when you become more controversial more people unsubscribe that means your brand is getting stronger you're only going to end up with a core of true fans and people that really get you get your brand, get your message, want to hear from you. So it's not a bad thing having that Marmite message, if you like, you either love it or hate it. Um, so you need that, you need the engagement stats, and you should be tracking those. Check what people are actually clicking on and when, because that will inform you as to what topics you want to talk about, um, what gets the most traction, and also what products you might want to sell or invent in the future. So that's all really useful information for your business. And, you know, let's imagine that we are this service business and this is not something that we've been doing, but we get a simple lead magnet together. Maybe it's an interesting article or something, you know, let's say for the sake of argument. And so people can opt in, they, they, they get this interesting article and that means we can keep in touch with them via email. Yep. Um, so just talk to us about, some of the nuts and bolts of that so is this a weekly thing is it a daily thing do we send several times a day i mean where, where's it where's a kind of a decent place to start for the average business okay so the first thing you need to think about is where do you want your customers to go it's a bit like programming your sat now for the journey you've got to have an end point in mind a destination so a profitable lead magnet will always lead to one of your products it can be your best-selling one. It can be your most popular one. Not always the same thing. That's up to you. But you start by thinking, right, where do I want these people to go? And then you link your lead magnet to that. So typically, your lead magnet would be, this is why you need something. Then your email series would be, this is how you get something. And then your product would be, work with me to fast-track it, fast-forward it. You know, this is the what, the how, the why. <laughs> so, All right. So, uh, sorry, that was, that, that, that was interesting. Run, repeat that for us because you, so you said the lead magnet does... The lead magnet um, starts the journey. It pre-selects mm -hmm. your audience, okay? So, for example, if you're, um, if you're a business consultant and you're looking um, for an audience of CEOs who want to reduce the stress within their teams and you have a product which is about um, team away days and stress-busting techniques, I'm just making this up on the fly, as you can guess, but then you'll have a lead magnet which says five key causes of stress, then your email series will be about how to reduce stress. This is why you are the best person for it. This is the testimonials. You're building up an entire picture for your recipient, your reader, to the point where, where you then say, oh, by the way, here is my sales offer. Please go along and buy it. And by the way, if you do this, you'll get a free consultancy call with me and you will also get this for your entire team to distribute. You, you know, your reader is now a hero in the eyes of his team. And you're a hero to him because you have taken away this massive burden, which has been bothering him. You know, he came and signed up to your lead magnet because he had a problem and you've just solved it. So that's where you want to go with your email series. And that can be done as a lead nurturing sequence, as it gets called. Sure. And so the, the call to action, as we, we marketers talk about it, this could be, this might be buy a product online possibly, although for service businesses very often, I guess, the next step you're going to advise people to take is to book a call frequently. Yep. Or um, <laughs> sign up to a webinar, but you can mm -hmm. sell that product online as well. There's plenty of ways of doing it these days um, where you say, right, 
buy this from me and this is what you'll get in your package. And you can automate it. So don't feel that that way is out for you, that you can't sell something online, even if it's an invisible product. So it does work. It does work. But if you are looking, for example, to extend that, if you have um, a high ticket item you're selling, you can start with giving away a free PDF, switching on to a webinar, and then as the commitment grows, getting them to buy maybe your first tier or second tier package. So there's lots of different ways you can play with this. You can have fun with it as well. There's no reason why you have to restrict yourself to just one type or um, just one set of emails. So go on then, expand on that a little bit. So how, how, can, we, how can we make email marketing fun? Why, why is it not usually fun is maybe the first question. And uh, how can we make it so? Okay, email's fun because you get instant feedback on what you're doing. And if you structure and plan it correctly, then it takes away the fear. Most, most emails are boring. I'll be honest with you. I've only seen perhaps a handful of emails from the greats and a few other marketers where I genuinely enjoy opening each week. The rest of the time, it's just about pushing the same message because people are scared to be vulnerable. They're scared to show their personality in email. That's a mistake. You should be able to get out there and feel comfortable enough for the audience to say, yes, um, this is the message I've had this week. This is the story I've got to tell you. Oh, and by the way, I've got this going on as well. And next week, I'm going to be launching my product sales. And, you know, email me if you want to be the first one to know. The best emails is where you've got a relationship. Literally, you have a relationship with your audience. And it feels one-to-one, even though you're personalizing email and sending it out to perhaps thousands. That's when it gets fun. You have a structure in place. You know what you're going to write each week. And you can just sit there and let it flow. And by the way, you don't just have to write it. If you'd rather do a video, do a video. If you'd rather do a podcast like now, do a podcast. There's no limits. And you not have to, don't have to restrict yourself to anything except a digital presence. That, of course, is where I can't help you too much. If you want to go and, you know, <laughs> write on a billboard, feel free. But um, it won't help you on marketing. Yeah, sure thing. And so we we can do some things to uh to have more fun uh with our email and i suppose a lot of people will be thinking at the moment uh well natalie you know i sell um air conditioning systems and i advise businesses on installing them that ain't fun so how can my emails possibly be fun okay they can be fun because you are fun you're a person and people want to hear from you. you know, that's why they signed up in the first place. They had a problem, you're going to solve it. And you're going to do audit with a side order of humour, sarcasm, I don't know, little cat gifs. If you didn't, that doesn't feel professional, you can go the professional way forward. Look at what the big brands are doing. You know, Coca-Cola sells a fizzy drink. They make it fun. Um, you've got the Philips brand who sell razor blades or the King of Shaves. Those are all fun. You can add that to your brand without fear and you can make it personable. If the worst comes to worst, you can easily show a customer case study, a quote that week, just something along the lines of, oh my God, I'm selling air conditioning units and it's the first time I felt cool since June. <laughs> you know, how far you push it is up to you. Uh, as a rule, I say start small, start with baby steps, but you will learn what your audience likes. And we genuinely, as humans, want to connect and we do so through emotion. So when it's fun for you to write, it's fun for your audience to read and you are more likely to get that connection, which means more sales. And why is there fear around doing this? And how can we be fearless or at least more fearless about doing it? The fear comes from not appearing professional. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we are brought up, all of us, um, you know, school, university, starting out your own business, to behave and react in a certain way. 
And as a rule of thumb, the more education you do, the more different types of language you get, the more professional language you get. You know, speaking to someone who's done a PhD in an MA and who's CEO at a top company, the way they think and speak is quite different to someone who runs a market stall on the street. You know, you just got to look at the newspaper to see the difference in language going on there between, say, the Sun and the Financial Times. And we all feel like, oh, God, do people take me to take it seriously? We need to talk like the Financial Times. <laughs> Whereas you can get away with being yourself. We are genuinely scared of being ourselves. We think people are going to judge us. They have, we have imposter syndrome. We're scared that we're going to fall over and not look professional. But you can do it. You can do it and look polished. You can look professional, but you can also be personal. And that's what I want my listeners to take away today. Try it. Try it and see. You don't even have to do it for all of your list. Do a split test. Take 10% of your list, write something personal, and then do your normal email alongside that and see which one gets the best results. Test, test, test again. See what happens. Baby steps all the way. Okay. And uh, obviously part of what we're doing here is we, we want to build trust with the people who are receiving our emails um and what are some of the best ways we can go about doing that the first one is to be honest um don't say for example it's a time limited sale when it's clearly not people being there they've done that they can see through it if you say i'm opening this up on a quarterly basis keep your word if you say you're going to um, send an email every week at this time keep your word it is a commitment but they're honouring you, their commitment to opening it. So it matters. And especially if you're a consultant or a coach um, selling something big, it can take years for someone on your list to build up enough trust <laughs> and enough equity to go ahead and go, right, I'm going to buy that now. You know, it's not many people turn around and say, I'm going to buy this £4,000 course on a whim. It just doesn't happen. They need to get to know you, to like you, and then finally to take that step of, buying that course usually after several freebies or perusing the website or whatever it is it takes several webinars so you have to hold to your commitment to your audience and you have to have the discipline to keep turning up and showing up even when you don't want to even when there's um, race rights outside or a pandemic on the loose or you know and you can talk about those subtopics no one's saying you can't be topical and mention oh you know there's been a snowfall this week or i'm supporting you know this person or this cause in fact, that makes you more likely to be memorable in your audience mind. Yeah, sure. And so, I mean, that's, uh, as you say, very important. So just being honest and also keeping your uh, your commitments and being consistent with what you said you were going to do. Yes. And is there some element where uh, this this is quite difficult for people? I know it's quite difficult for me where if we kind of let people in a little bit, and maybe we, not in a manipulative way, but if we just help them understand uh, some of our vulnerabilities or you know mistakes we've made in the past, that can help people to empathise with us more. Do you think yes, there's truth in that? Yes, there's definite truth in that. Um, the thing is, is that where you are is usually several steps ahead of where your audience are, and they want to be where you are. That, that's kind of what you're selling, especially if you're doing any form of coaching, mindset work, teaching. The majority of us do teach. So telling them how you got started, where you stumbled on your journey, how you're feeling, that's all important because you're immediately connecting back to how they're feeling. You know, you're at the top of the mountain and they want to climb it. You're not going to sit there munching a sandwich and waiting for them to climb going, oh, she's about to slip off that. Oh, he's perhaps struggling there. You're going to help them. You're going to say, go for that handhold. Try this path. 
you better put better boots on, you know. So telling them about your struggles and how you got over it, firstly shows your experience, and secondly, helps them empathize and realize that, yes, I can do this, I can get there, I've just got to keep going, and I'm going to listen to this person, I'm going to trust them because they've done it. Yeah, no, and I think that's really important. I, I think also just letting people know about some of the setbacks and uh, struggles is, in, is important as well because if we don't do that, then if we kind of whitewash everything, it has no credibility, right? Because people, I think even if they don't consciously realise it, they kind of know that it doesn't stack up because we know in real life that, things do go wrong and you know it's it, things never go up in a straight line you know and so I think if you share some of those uh bits and pieces it, it, it just becomes more um believable definitely um we've all been there we've all seen the internet adverts and the scams going press this now to get a million bucks a day or whatever it is that the current scam is the oh, I have to check that one. Out, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so um but but we know that's not believable that's not credible um, whenever I turn around to my clients in my email list I say right this is going to take time this is going to require your input and your commitment but the rewards are there because you're talking about the people you want to talk to about the thing that's closest to your heart which is your business if you don't have that passion I'll be questioning why in that business in the first place but you have got that passion and you're sharing it you know what can be better yeah absolutely so answer me this then so here's uh, here's an interesting one so obviously you know, if we're doing what you say, we're, we're sending people emails on a you know, regular, maybe a weekly basis. And we're, we're you know, we will typically be giving them some useful info. Um, because if, if we're a service business, as you say, if we've got the invisible, uh, the invisible products, I think you called it. So, we, you know, we're selling our expertise. So we're probably sharing some information that's useful to the potential client to get what they want to get from somebody like us. Can you give too much away? How do you strike the balance between being a helpful re resource, but also we're not doing this for our health ultimately? You know, we do, we, you know, we, it needs to be productive activity for us as well. It does. And that's where planning your content does come in. So you don't give too much away, but you give enough. Um, for example, you want to tell people this is what you need to do, but if you really want to see the results, you need to work with me. So you can say, this is the what, but to get the how and the why, the meat of it, that's where you need me. P people typically pay, not um, for the resources you own, but for the fact that you're going to save them time. So like I said, it's the, almost the invisible human element again. The other thing as well to think about is um, almost tasters. A bit like if you go to a farmer's market, you might taste a small slice of cheese, but you're not going to have the whole barrel being given away you've got to pay for it so think in small tastes nibbles um, a mini webinar which won't cost you too much in terms of time but will give them something valuable every time you do that you're moving them forward a step on their journey a little bit more commitment on their side a bit more on yours to the point where they're ready to pay yeah no interesting interesting all right and can you give us you know maybe in a minute or two um a format or some of the essential elements for a fun and fearless email that that is going to make sales or get us inquiries. I mean, what kind of what elements go into that, or or is there is there a is there a uh, a number of steps you follow when you're trying to put one of these things together? Can you just give us any um, 
insights into that, please? <laughs> of course, Rob. The first thing is to remember that it's no one single email. It simply doesn't work like that these days. Um, typically, if someone buys off the first email it's because they've been lurking for a long time on your social or on your website or they've been recommended by a friend and they're going on trust from that friend, okay? So th those are the unicorns. Those are the ones I love but I don't necessarily believe in or tell my clients to watch out for. Um, it's typically a series of emails and you will want to have the following elements in it. And this is the same as for any landing page or any campaign you do. So you're going to want to say exactly what they get and what the outcome is. You want to connect it to yourself personally, to your brand. So inject story in it. People love stories and they love emotions. So make sure they have that. If you can add a little bit of humor, even better, because that's what's going to trigger the memory. Or um, alternately, if they're scared of something, <laughs> say, I'm going to take away your fears. Again, that gets the adrenaline going. You are going to want a testimonial to drive trust and do that side of things. And you're going to want something visual in there. It doesn't have to be a visual element on the page, but it does have to be a vision in their heads, something which they can attach that memory to. So, for example, going back to the air conditioning, you want to be sitting there on the beach thinking, oh, yes, gorgeous breeze coming off the Pacific, and I'm going to have this in my own bedroom at all times. I'm going to be able to sleep tonight, dreaming of my balmy holidays. So there you go. There's your image. There's your pleasure. That's why you want it. Um, that's your benefit going in. And then you obviously tie that to a price and say, we can have this on your doorstep in 24 hours. So that's where you wrap it up. Oddly enough, I'd say put the benefits almost at the last thing. You want to give them results, but not necessarily features. People don't buy on features. They buy on emotions. Yeah, yeah. And no, I really like that. And I really like the idea of um, trying to create that mental image for people. And just trying to remember to do that. That's really good. Uh, a really good tip. And you mentioned the word story there. And this, uh, I think, can be quite intimidating for people. In incidentally, just for, for, for you, listener, we did, if you haven't heard it, we did a really good show a couple of months back with a guy called Ian Sanders on the power of storytelling. It was really excellent. So I would check that out. Uh, we got into depth there. It's good. Um, but um, just for our purposes, Natalie, so coming back to this idea of story, I, th I, I, I think people struggle with this a bit because they hear quite a lot these days that, oh, well, you know, you need to tell stories, you need to tell stories. Um, but that doesn't mean boring the crap out of everyone with your biography, does it? What does it mean? It means something short, simple and to the point. Okay. As I said before at the beginning of this interview, that um, you want your emails to be short to carry one message at a time. Um, there's actually story competitions where you have authors competing just to tell a story in one sentence, you know, the ultimate. And people do tell stories all the time. We just don't think we do. If you're on a Facebook, you're telling a story. If you're down at the shop and chatting about your day, you're telling a story. If you're talking to your child, you're telling a story. We do it constantly. That, that's how we operate as humans. So it doesn't have to be much. You work out what your point is, what the point of the email is, what action you want them to take, and then you tell a story about it. And that's how you get your emails to work for you. So if your call to action is go and download this meet lead magnet, you're going to tell a story about how you created the lead magnet or what gave you the idea for it. Or you're on the phone to a conversation um, with two customers and they're asking you questions. You're like, hang on, this could be quite, quite good. I'm going to share it with the rest of you. It's, it literally can be that simple. It's no different from talking to a friend. And that's who you want ultimately to be selling to. People that you like, trust and want to sell to. Yeah. 
Okay, very good. So another question I, I want to ask just as we move on. So to what extent can or should we be automating some or all of this process? I am a big fan of automation. For um, specific lead magnets that you know have a good breadcrumb trail going through to your product, you want to automate all of that. People are impatient. You need to send the first welcome email within minutes, if not seconds, after they press hit on the button. You know, send me this lead magnet, download this freebie, give me this webinar. That's got to be automated. Otherwise, people will forget. Um, to take the burden off you, you then want to have a staggered email sequence. So that goes out at exactly the right time, at the right interval space and cadence for your customer, for your audience. So, you know, you don't want to have to keep sending out piecemeal emails. Alternately, if you have a newsletter, you can automate that with um, your blog feed or your video feed or YouTube feed. All of these things are possible. But I do actually recommend spending a bit of time sending that out personally each week because it allows you to build context around your emails. It feels more immediate. People want to get it more often. And it feels like it's coming from a friend. So, you, you know, you can automate the bulk of it. So, for example, you would say, my email newsletter, I'm going to have this blog piece in the bottom. I'm going to write the intro and maybe add in a different call to action or um, a PS going, go and check this out. So it doesn't have to be long. And you can take away the repetitive elements, but it does need to be personal. Yeah, and worth saying, of course, you know, it isn't necessary for people to create everything up front. I mean, obviously, there can be benefits with with doing that. You know, if you were to plan, you know, let's say if you were mailing people once a week for a year and you planned out 50 pieces of content, I mean, there, there may be some merit in you sitting there for three days and actually writing 50 emails. But equally, I always remember... One of the things I did, you know, this is going back some years now when I started my business when there was not a huge choice in uh, affordable email software. So I, I used a system called AWeber, which you'll know. And at that <laughs> time, that was almost, I think that was almost the only thing that would do what was called autoresponders, you know, without spending an arm and a leg. And what I, what I did, you know, my email sequence was I had one email um, I had one email immediately when people signed up, as you say, and then it then they were at seven day intervals. Um, but actually, I didn't, and I ended up with about fifty something emails. But I didn't sit there and write fifty. I just every Monday I sat there and I added a new one to the chain, if you like. And so that's just you know you don't need to you know create all the stuff. You know if you can you can kind of create stuff week by week and you can feed it into the automation, and uh, that can work quite well. That can work quite well and it's definitely one way to do it if I sat down I've done it before I have written 50 emails but you end up burnt out you need time away to reflect to think to add your own input and your life experience in so having a week-by-week schedule where you're writing something can work really really well but it doesn't necessarily have to have a point your emails the main topic for an e-newsletter is to keep your brand in the person's mind. So they go back to your website, they find out that piece of topic, that information, whatever you need or want to send. But it doesn't have to have a specific sales purpose. That way, your audience is primed and ready to hear from you when you do have a sales email or sales sequence. So having your topics ready, having it planned, but not necessarily having it written can be a really good way forward. It also stops the overwhelm and it enforces you to become more personal because you're not sitting there like a robot going, sell this, sell this, here's a bit of humor, sell this, sell this. Remember, 
you are talking to the best people in your life, the ones that are going to pay you money. And I might add, I should say best, best in the business life. <laughs> and then, well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, unless your family also gives you money, in which case, um, you know, <laughs> you're just winning every way. Um, yeah. But um, no, it's kind of the opposite for me, uh, probably for Aww. you as well. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. And so um, what tools do you like for email marketing, Natalie? What are some of your, what are some of your favorites? What are, what are things that people should know about? Okay, um, I've worked across the entire range, you know, um, Experian, Gmail, HubSpot, Salesforce, you name it. Um, if you're just starting out and this whole idea of email marketing is overwhelming you, go to MailChimp. It's free. You get a landing page, you can direct people to, to sign up for your email list. You can create that freebie on the fly. You can have everything ready within two hours and you're, you're, you're going. And you want to build that email list as quickly as possible, regardless of whether or not you have a website. Go out there and do it. You don't have any excuses. MailChimp takes them away from you. And it's reasonably easy to use. I've got drag and drop editors and um, you you get one welcome email autoresponder. So if you just want to set up a newsletter, that's great. If you've got an established list and, um, for example, you're selling stuff through an online shop, have a look at Klaviyo. Klaviyo is brilliant for their testing in a sense and everything is tied to sales and ROI. I love it. It does A-B split testing. It um, allows you to create different automations and it's very intuitive for choosing which bit of the audience you want to send called segmentation. So you can create your own fields and you can even choose by engagement. So everyone who opens your emails all the time, <laughs> for example, your super fans, you can send something very specific to them compared to people who are just plodding along and maybe opening one every six months. The final tool on the list and one which I use personally is Active Campaign. Because for automations, it's the king. It's amazing what you can hook up to. You know, it's great, for example, if you're driving people to a webinar or you want them to book an appointment with you. Um, it links up to various things and it's the cheapest CRM out there for your money. So if you're running a sales pipeline, you've got a small team going up behind you. So, for example, your accountant, your VA, and maybe someone else, then you can have everything done from Active Campaign. That's what I recommend for growing businesses that know the audience and already have some emails set up. It's absolutely brilliant for that side of things. So those are three of my top picks. And that's what I recommend checking out if you don't already have an email service provider in mind. Yeah, plus one for Active Campaign. I'm a, a user of theirs. or I, I actually use um, Kajabi for um, my content management, you might call it. But yeah, you're still using Active Campaign because, as you say, it's just a good system for the automations. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's good value as well, you know if you're um, it's very robust yeah, yeah very robust yes yeah, so call out to kajabi kajabi is beautiful and it's really coming on in terms of uh, the way you can market through it but it's definitely more for the content creators such as yourself rob <laughs> there we go there we go so and this, this has been really really excellent natalie we're coming up to time and uh, i know you've got small children just like i do so um uh so let's let's wrap up a little bit so if Listeners only took one nugget or piece of advice away from this conversation. What should it be? It should be plan in advance what you're going to write so you don't have that sinking feeling when you stare at a blank screen and test, test, test. Don't be afraid to try something different and test it. Okay? It doesn't matter who you have as an email expert. The final jury and judge on your email marketing will be your audience. So make use of those tools. Plan it, test it, see the results, and try again. 
I like it. Where's the best place for people to get more from you, Natalie? <laughs> well, just for this interview, I have created a beautiful freebie. I'm giving away my content planner. So if you go to natcontent.co.uk forward slash planner, you will get my free yearly planner, which shows you how to plan out your email marketing, how to test it, and how to enjoy it as well. I take the pressure off you. So please go there, pick that up, and I look forward to seeing you <laughs> in my inbox and in yours. Excellent. Well, Natalie, this has been really helpful. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much. So did I. Take care. Hey, it's Rob again. Want to build a successful online business from your expertise? Well, the game has changed. There are bigger opportunities, but also bigger pitfalls than ever before. And I would hate for you to waste years figuring these things out for yourself. Now, as a listener to this show, you're obviously a sensible person, right? So here's my invitation to you. Apply to jump on a call with me in the next few days and let's talk about you. You will get feedback on your ideas. You will get a product concept that is fit for right now and you will get a personalized sales and income plan to take away. That is free, but availability is limited. So please go along right now to chatwithrob.com. That is chatwithrob.com. Do that now. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Once again, that is chatwithrob.com. Talk to you soon.